And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. Ah, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a terrific weekend. I did some fishing. Caught a whole bunch of uh, good old catfish in a river by my house. It's pretty great. Hopefully you guys caught some catfish as well. If not, go catch some fish. It's good for you. If you don't live near water, go uh, grab a gun, go out in some woods and shoot an animal. Throw it on the grill. That was good, uh... Lean meat, good, good protein. It's good for you. Good for the soul as well. Go outdoors. Don't be a freaking vampire, people. Go outside. Uh, anyway, yeah, had a good weekend. Hopefully, you guys had a terrific weekend as well. Uh, good show for you today. Uh, a lot of stuff to get to. I had uh, my good friend Stephen Harriet from the Stephen Harriet Show and CatholicVote.org on the show. Um, we talked about the uh, the white supremacist rally that basically didn't even happen <laughs> over the weekend. Uh, and the media response, and uh, we we got to a lot of stuff, a lot a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, just a ton of craziness going on over the weekend. We tried to get to all of it. Um, before I get to Stephen, I want to say hi to our sponsors over at Premier Vapor. If you smoke and want to quit, or if you vape already, you need to check out Premier Vapor, the largest selection of premium e-liquid uh, anywhere in the country. All their stuff is delicious. All their stuff is FDA compliant. Um, they have any kind of battery, mod, tank, Coil, anything you need, um, they have. They have physical locations in Perrysburg, Ohio, and Holland, Ohio, if you're in Northwest Ohio or are traveling through the area. Check them out in person. If not, go to PremierVaporAndLounge.com. That is PremierVaporAndLounge.com. They will give you free shipping on all orders over 35 bucks. You really can't beat that. And if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Uh, tweet at us. We always tweet back. Uh, please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or Google Play. Um, if you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. We'd really appreciate that. Shows every Monday and Wednesday uh, afternoons. Uh, all the content will always be free, but if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved, uh, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. You can contribute monthly over there. Um, and there's some cool incentives incentives if you choose to do so. Um, so yeah, check that out. Uh, without further ado, here's my chat with Stephen Harriet. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with Stephen Harriet of CatholicVote.org and the Stephen Harriet Show. Stephen, my friend, thanks for coming back on. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. As always. Um, so, yeah, let's let's dig into some of the news over the weekend. There is the uh, Unite the Right rally, which is a, a white nationalist, a racist uh, rally in Washington, D.C., or was supposed to be a rally um, somewhere between 20 and 30 um, white nationalists uh, showed up. Uh, several yeah. thousand leftist uh, Antifa protesters showed up, uh, and they also attacked police, um, assaulted a journalist um, from NBC, um, mm-hmm. and the media obviously de- defended Antifa. Um, yeah, just your, your thoughts on—let's just start with the media, the media's coverage of this. Um, it, it was a pretty pathetic rally. I mean, if, if you know racists weren't so evil, you would almost feel bad for them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, only 30 of them showed up. So yeah, what, what's your response to uh, this weekend and then the media aftermath? 
Well, the same as it's been since the very start, even in 2016. Uh, one of my favorite uh, comments on the whole alt-right controversy came from a writer named Bobby Lopez, who I've had on my show a few times. Um, and he basically, he said <laughs> right after the uh, first, uh, I think it was the Charlottesville March, he came out and said, I refuse to denounce anyone. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to denounce because it's an insult for you to just decide, you know, find somebody who's ex incredibly offensive and then just go to random people who have nothing in common with them and demand a renunciation. It's like, I think in 2015 or something, I said the definition of racism is the refusal to take back the words that someone just put in your mouth. Right. <laughs> um, and, and that's not a good definition. And I refuse to go by it. Yeah, it's also true. And as we we saw demonstrated this uh, weekend, that these people are very, very few in number. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I was jokingly tweeting last night. I said, well, well, if that's true, you know, why can't we all unite to condemn Richard Spencer and his seven or eight friends? Is that really too much to ask? Right. <laughs> but at the same time, no. No, I don't. I think the problem with it is that from the very start, and it continues to be the case, um, uh, this isn't about the very few white nationalists who, who march at these little rallies. It's about uh, a strategy on the part of the mainstream left to tar everyone by the same feather and then get our approval to all in unison say, we uh, denounce these people, which is between the lines to admit that it's incumbent upon us to, which it isn't. You see what I'm saying? We should, right. we should say, I don't have any comment. Why should I? I don't care. Yeah, um, it really is a, a media fabrication. I mean, if you look at, you know, it was, you know, 20 to 30 little, I mean, they're all, they look like they're all about 18 and they all look like they've never gotten laid. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's the same story every time. I mean, look, I'm sure Richard Spencer was disappointed by the turnout, but the only people more dis you know, disappointed than him are the media. <laughs> they were really hoping this was going to be a big event so they could, like you said, try to put words in other people's mouths and try to beat Republicans over the head with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, our friends over at CNN must must not have had a very good weekend. Well, my new goal, I don't know if you have you ever been to the March for Life? I have not. Well, I, I've been to the March for Life. My my. My new goal is to get those 20 or 30 racists to come and join us at the next right. March for Life so that we get media coverage. Yeah, wall-to-wall -wall coverage, man. Right. And my thought is, you know, they wouldn't like it because they're all actually all, by the way, pro-abortion. Um, white nationalists are totally down with eugenicism. Why not? Right. So what we could do is we could just give them pro-Margaret Sanger signs and they could be in the counter-protest. Right. But at least the media would show up. But I said I said that jokingly online and somebody replied and said, oh, yeah, well, actually, the people who march in the March for Life are just as racist as the people at the United the Right rally, which is laughable. It makes but makes it, sense, right? But it did get me to thinking. I always thought to myself, yeah, you know, that, that's a really reassuring thought about the pro-life movement. If the pro-life movement were racist... Um, wait, wait, why, would, how, how do they say that the pro-life movement is racist? Well, they just open their mouths and let the words come out. Ah, I mean, <laughs> it's, like, not, <laughs> it's, it's not true, obviously. And what I said... And replies, they said, hey, you know what, if that were true, then every major network would send their best journalists every year to prove it. Absolutely. And there's usually about 500,000 people that show up for the March for Life. It's it's the biggest march in the country every year consistently. And like you said, the media just doesn't cover it at all. A little bit of Fox News, a little bit of Fox News. Other than that, 
I mean, it's just uncovered. Well, you don't look good if you show up trying to villainize a bunch of frumpy homeschoolers and their little, you know, their right. kids. <laughs> and uh, and that's what a lot of the pro-life movement is. And, and so, like I said, though, I mean, if it were a nefarious or an insidious or uh, movement, the pro-life movement, then, then we would definitely be seeing more media coverage of it. Um, and it's a movement that certainly does have legs. It's more and more mainstream, uh, especially on the right, but also. So there's now secular pro-life. There are a lot of people on the left who are pro-life now. And they go to the march as well. And, you know, you can't you can't really make them look bad. But if, if you could, then I'm sure the, the media would. And as it as it happens, the media doesn't even bother to cover the event at all, which tells you that they don't really have any dirt on us. Right. It, it was it was especially ironic this weekend, too, with with Antifa. Uh, they you know, they got violent again. They actually physically assaulted a journalist. I believe the journalist worked for for NBC. Um, so it's just the, the the picture of the media literally getting beaten senseless by Antifa as they're trying to, you know, paint this picture that uh, these white supremacists are violent and a, and a grave threat to our country or something like that. You know what I mean? As they're ducking for cover uh, to avoid a beatdown from the left, like it is just like well, right. <laughs> And then right away, just today, again, Brian Stelter over at CNN, oh. uh, it, it just sort of shrugs at that. And then his next tweet, believe it or not, even today, is about a number of publications getting together, together to denounce Trump's anti-press uh, sentiments and, and what Trump has been saying about the press and how, how dangerous he is to the press. Meanwhile, you know, I mean, if, you're, if your beat is anti-press rhetoric and somebody just, you know, violently confronted uh, uh, a journalist at a national event, then you, as the person covering that beat, have to talk about that. And instead, Stelter just sort of shrugs and goes on talking about Trump. So it's, yeah, it's embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. It really is. I mean, journalism really is dead. I mean, in this country, like it is, it's a very sad state of affairs in the world of journalism. Well, it's not, it, I will, I refuse to believe journalism is dead as long as we still have people out there warning against the chemicals that are being put in the water that are turning their frick and frogs gay and <laughs> right, right. that man will never quit and so yeah i mean that's another element here is that we've just ha i just did a video on this actually these same people who have been screaming and yelling about how necessary a free press is to civilization and how any kind of anti-press sentiment is a threat to democracy etc cetera, etc cetera, these are the same people who just successfully lobbied a number of major tech and media mega corporations to silence one of their competitors which is of course the group at infowars who are, if nothing else, anti-leftist. Um, right. Even if you don't agree with them on everything, they're certainly uh, not on the left side of the spectrum uh, when it comes to coverage and right. commentary. I mean, I'm just waiting for Brian Stelter or somebody like that to unironically start the hashtag, you know, journalism against free speech. Hashtag free press against free press or something like that. Like, I don't know. Like, it's, it is really, really sad. Um, yeah, and what they're not against, yeah, they're not trying to speak, as I said in my video over the Stephen Harry show they're not actually defending a free press they're defending their own really decades-long stranglehold on the ability to create narratives right. including narratives that actually do as the president has pointed out lead us into war sometimes right in collaboration with these are people who have direct contact with people at the state department right these are the people who do who who, who move in narratives on behalf of sinister nation states and massive moneyed interests like planned parenthood these are people who help persecute journalists when they are being prosecuted with bogus claims against them because they did undercover videos about massively funded and, in fact, government 
government-funded organizations like Planned Parenthood. They had no sympathy for journalistic integrity and the freedom of the press when it came to David Daleiden. And when 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 uh, Kamala Harris sent jackbooted people to his apartment to, to, to raid him and right. take his information, they didn't say, oh, my goodness, what about the free press? There's a sitting member, you know, an official with the, the government in California is going after an independent journalist. They don't care about this stuff at all, at right. all. Right, and you brought yeah. up the wars as well. I mean, these are the same people that uh, helped to drag us into the Iraq War, and these are the same people that lied after Benghazi, you know, and and spread the Obama administration lie that it was about some anti-Muslim YouTube video. That's why uh, Ambassador Stevens was murdered, and, and all the other U.S. troops over there, and stuff like that, and just helped Obama lie his way into taking out uh Gaddafi for absolutely no reason and destabilizing half of Africa. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, and, and, tens and, of thousands of civilian deaths later, right? Yeah, and I'll never ever ever forget and no one ever should forget the incredible capacity for massive swift coordination on the part of mainstream media. It right. is very sinister that um for instance when the undercover videos on Planned Parenthood came out, the only reports came from I was at the time I was writing for the blaze and i wrote about it the blaze wrote about it all the conservative outlets wrote about it christian media wrote about it um and, and then two days later after they had had their meetings and sent their memos out the mainstream media responded in unison with the exact same message every single major network in the mainstream media uh oh well the videos were doctored uh, this is very sinister this is a hit piece this is partisan it shouldn't be taken seriously and then believe it or not the mainstream media literally would have spokespeople people from Planned Parenthood, high-ranking officials at the organization, come onto their shows and just recite their press releases verbatim right, right to the people. And then afterwards, they would sometimes have David Leiden on and say, see, what do you have to say for yourself, you little punk? Yeah. I mean, they, they was, were they were good soldiers for Planned Parenthood, man. They stuck to the script in unison. I mean, it, yeah. was, a, it, was, it was a completely coordinated effort. Um, back, to, back to this last weekend with these, these white nationalists or whatever. Um, it's not just people on the left in the mainstream media that are blo are blowing this out of proportion, blowing the quote-unquote white supremacist threat out of proportion. Some people on the right are as well. And um, I want to read a tweet that, uh, that I know you saw from earlier today, I think earlier today, this morning or last night, um, from David French over at National Review. And David French is a guy I really respect. I, I think he's a brilliant writer. He's, he's a great pundit. I agree with him on a lot of stuff. I read National Review daily. I've had half of their staff on the podcast. You know, so I, I really don't want to just beat David French too badly here, but this was this was his tweet. I'm going to read it and I'll read it and then we can we can discuss. Uh, this is from David French. Uh, looks like last night around midnight. The alt-right is dying, but but it still accomplished terrible things. It created room for more race baiting. It made good people feel afraid. It killed, it distorted the GOP. It got close to the Oval Office. It revealed rotten, dark hearts in the conservative movement. Okay, like I said, I mean, sorry to preface this, but I, I think David French is a brilliant guy and a brilliant writer. But this is ridiculous. I mean, this is absolute. I mean, this, this is absolute joke. Dark hearts in the conservative movement. What conservative movement? What the hell is he talking about? I mean, not the conservative, right. not the conservative movement I've been a part of my entire adult life. Not the conservative movement of his late boss William F. Buckley, or the conservative movement of Stephen Harriet and Brady Leonard. Um, I, I don't know what, what the hell is he talking about. I mean, this is completely out of bounds. This is completely ridiculous. What, what is the point of this tweet? Like, who is this helping? Like, I, I really just don't understand what, what he's talking about here, man. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same thing I saw a lot. A lot of this happened in 2016 and 2017. Uh, uh, very, very clever uh, serpentine leftists would say, uh, we define racism however we damn well please. Uh, and um, the they would say, we're going to really be cavalier and loose with the way we define racism. And then they would say, hey, hey basically the entire right is racist unless they say otherwise. Right. And then conservative leaders, including, unfortunately, Mr. French, would reply by saying, well, I'm not. In other words, I accept your premise. You can call anyone racist and, 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 and I will and it'll stick and it'll damage reputations. You can smear the entire right as racist. And then my response will be to stand up and say, I'm not. What does that mean? Between the lines, it means yeah, most of the people on the right are racist, but not me. It's and I, I, I think that is absolutely, I don't know what he's thinking, but it's actually vicious. It is. In the, it's, not, it's not okay. You're, you're allowing your, your, your you, you almost have to look for that method because most responses would not smear uh, numerous innocent people as racists, but his does. Right. Yeah, and it's it's so disappointing because David French is so much smarter than that. I mean, like he he knows better. Like he he's been around the conservative movement for a long, long time. Like he he absolutely knows better. It's similar to like John Kasich's presidential campaign, right? I mean, he'd say things like, "Oh, you know, all these mean Republicans want to, you know, cut welfare and Medicare and Medicaid," but I don't. See, it's like, yeah, they're all mean except for me. You know what I mean? It's like oh, it's such a pathetic. Ah, uh, I mean. I don't know if David French doesn't understand, and guys like John Kasich, people like that, don't understand. The left still wants them dead. <laughs> like you can't placate the left. Like they they are coming for your head no matter what. So even if you like alienate yourself from the commu- the conservative movement or something like that, like it doesn't buy you immunity. Like it doesn't. You're not safe from leftist attacks. So I don't. It's just it's fruitless and it it makes absolutely no sense. Right. Yeah. And and honestly, I mean, I I directly told uh david i mean I, I i want him to see what i think because it's important right. and, and hopefully he takes it to heart no excuse me sir that is unfair that is very unfair what you're doing is is uh like i said vicious um because these little people who don't have a platform right who don't have a following who can't use a megaphone right now they're all smeared as racists because of what you just said right and they can't do anything to defend themselves they're just presumed racist and the tweet was so uh, dramatic too. I mean, the the part of the tweet about you know white supremacists got close to the Oval <laughs> Office or some such. What does that mean? Like what? Like was a was a, a neo Nazi almost elected president or something? Or what, here, what the hell is he here's, talking about? Here's what about? it means. Here's here, here's what here's what it means. It means I was opposed to the Trump presidency. I never got my hands dirty. All of you other people. Uh, are being painted as racist now by the left, and you deserve it. Right. That's what it means. It's actually quite uh, vindictive. Right. It's just I mean, and you know, one of the things about passive aggressiveness is that it, 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 it it's a sort of very manipulative people or people who get into very manipulative habits um, are they can become so manipulative that they manipulate themselves into being unaware that they're being manipulative. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So in a way, you can criticize them in a weird way, you can criticize them without even impugning their motives. Right. So I leave David French's motives open for speculation. I don't have 
have any conclusive things to say there. But what he's doing is classically very passive aggressive and it's very vindictive and it's directed effectively, regardless of, of his motives, at, at innocent and good people, especially people who work closely to get the, the you know, the Trump uh, White House to get Trump into the White House, which is very unfair. Many good men and women worked within the GOP and said, this is our best choice now. He's our nominee. We're going to do what we're going to do. And they don't deserve to be smeared. Right. I mean, about 65 million people colluded to uh, put Trump in the Oval Office. So, um, right. <laughs> to, yeah, to, to insult all of those people is, is pretty shocking. And I'll invite uh, David onto the show. I'd love to talk about it with him. And, you know, he's a really, really smart guy. And I'm sure I agree with him on most things. But this one... Uh, not one of those, not one of those cases, not 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 by a long shot. Um, I, I want to move on, st- stick on the topic of race here. Um, not that I care about race at all, but the left, all they care about is race. So I really wanted to bring this up. The Hill um, wrote a piece about uh, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina yesterday after he went on Face the Nation on CBS and defended um, President Trump uh, and, and Trump's agenda. Uh, you know, they they try to slam Tim Scott for being too pro-Trump. But the, the headline and all the tweets uh, included the headline, uh, Black GOP Senator Defends President right. Trump, right? I mean, not once. I mean, they tweeted about it five or six times. The headline on their website and, and all over the place, they never called Tim Scott by his name. It's Black GOP Senator. <laughs> I mean, this is mm-hmm. like, what if what if we did that? What if people on the right did that? And for eight years, when President Obama was in office, Black United States president, <laughs> you know, signs awful right. health care bill into law. You know, black United States mm-hmm. president, you know, uh, invades Libya for no reason. Like, that, it's it's completely ridiculous. I mean, show the man some damn respect. This is He's a United States senator. Like, he's a very, you know, respectable, wealthy, successful person. He was a, uh, you know, a successful attorney and, and worked his way up into the United States Senate. You can't you can't give the guy a name. <laughs> Come on. If you're right. so obsessed with race that all you see is the color of the guy's skin. I mean, that's all they care about. That's it. Right. What was it that he was saying that they were actually quoting him to say? Um, I'll have to look it up. It was something along the lines of like President Trump has moved us forward on this issue or the other. Like it was it was a very benign, like just basic GOP senator line. Like it wasn't even. Uh-huh. It was nothing. <laughs> he said nothing. Interesting. Nothing controversial at all. Ah, interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, that's unfortunate. I mean, there was we just, of course, saw that spate of uh, primary elections, and they did the same thing um, uh, with a particular candidate was elected. She was, uh, she was gay and— oh, right. Native American. Native American, and then, uh, yeah, and they, they led with that rather than her name. And then former MMA fighter, too, because she was a former MMA— It was, yeah, gay Native American MMA fighter. Yeah, that's a long line, too. I mean, you'd save yeah. a lot of time by just saying the woman's name for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the other I mean, I don't know. I mean, I always I'm, I'm always on the fence with a lot of identity politics stuff. I'm always I don't know. It's not that I want to be sensitive to the cultural Marxist dissembling uh, and and uh, and uh, uh, sort of uh, divisive language. But at the same time, there is something to be said for uh, minority races and, and, and sexualities being mentioned as they are relevant to various political propositions but with the you know because in other words if you're talking for instance about um that person who was elected and we're talking about uh you know this person is going to advocate for lgbt stuff because they're lgbt that's relevant but yeah you're right tim scott talking about 
Uh, I don't know how that related. Whatever. It depends on what he was talking about. If he was talking about something racial, I guess you would say, yeah, you would mention his race. I think but, they they were trying to bait him into talking about race. They it was like the the interviewer. I forget, uh, I forget the woman's name who who took over on uh, uh, Face the Nation. But she started the interview by you know like how can you support President Trump when a year ago after Charlottesville he waited six hours to condemn the Nazis or it was like it was something stupid like that. And Tim Scott right. you know responded with like well this is all the progress we've made and. You know, we're moving forward in the right direction on all these issues. I mean, he handled it like a normal senator would. Right. You know, just didn't take didn't take the bait. Right. Yeah. I mean, I like what I generally like what Candace Owens is doing, where she, you know, she she points that kind of stuff up and she says, hey, look, you know, um, we don't we're tired of being basically what a lot of a lot of interviewers do with racial stuff is if they have somebody on uh, a show and they are a member of a minority race, they will always basically say, are you going to say the race thing? (laughs) <laughs> because there's we have a race thing. We have a race script. Have you did you get yours? Because, you know, we're you're supposed to say this and that and the other about injustice and about how to solve it. And um, if you're a conservative uh, black, you're in trouble because you're going to say, well, no, actually, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't work on that script. I have a different script. And, uh, and then there's always confusion and awkward silences and, and embarrassment because <laughs> you're right. not supposed to. You're, what, wait, 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 you're supposed to say the black thing. Which is incredibly condescending, and uh, so yeah, I, I do like seeing the Candace Owens response, which is, "Hey, look, you know, sorry, buddy, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't work off of the same script." Well, I'm sure you saw the video from last week of Candace Owens getting uh, mobbed by leftists at a coffee shop or something, and they were chanting "F white supremacy" at Candace Owens, right. which is just, uh. it's like that's it, that's all they have, like that's their script, like that's the leftist protester script. They don't know what to do. So if there's a black girl there, they're right. like, well, shit, that's, we only know one line. <laughs> like, right. you're, you're a racist. That's it. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, dig, right. you got to have something in your back pocket you can use against Candace if, Owens. If all, you have, if, yeah, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, the saying goes. If all you have is Antifa, then everything looks like a white supremacist, even if it's Candace Owens, who's a female a black, black person. <laughs> right. right. And, you know, if all you see is race, like the Hill, you know, refusing to call— a sitting senator by their name, for God's sakes. But that's just rude, to, no matter what who you are. I mean, that is just extremely rude, and uh, that's very small of the hill to do that. But if all you see is race, if the only thing you notice about a, about somebody is the color of their skin, you're a racist. I mean, that makes you—that's racism. You know what I mean? Like, it's right. it's just astounding, the, the racism of the left. Um, so I want to get to the video you, you posted on your channel uh, on the Stephen Harriet show last week, and I talked about it, too, um, on my show last Wednesday— was the uh, you know the uh, uh, Alex Jones being you know permanently banned from just about everything? I mean, Facebook, YouTube, right. Apple, everything, and just the censorship um, as a whole. And you made the point that the mainstream media is uh, you know more dangerous than Alex Jones. I completely agree. I think you're spot on there. And I think uh, mm. right after you released your show and I released my show, uh, I think that same day, Gavin McInnes, who is the founder of uh, Vice. And he's a comedian. He's also a host over at CRTV. Um, he was banned permanently by Twitter, as well as all mm-hmm. of uh, the Proud Boys accounts, which, if you don't know, the Proud Boys are this, like, goofy group led by Gavin McInnes, who, uh, what's their thing? They're, like, Western chauvinists or something like that? It's pretty Western funny. chauvinists, that's right. Western yeah. chauvinists. But they're not racists. They're a the multi-ethnic group. They don't show up to any of these white nationalist marches or anything like that. Um, they're just, you know... A conservative group, so they were all kicked off of Twitter. Um, yeah, 
where is this gonna? We can we can dig into that a little bit, but real quick, like, what's the internet gonna look like in a year? <laughs> I mean, just like, what's your, yeah. what's your prediction? That's a, that depends on a lot. That really depends right. on a, a lot of things. Um, one thing is that as we've, I mean, we, basically all of the mainstream platforms that we use are, are not just platforms. As it turns out, um, you know, my coworker Josh Mercer over at Catholic quote, he says, "This is a." Uh, Twitter is a is a liberal blog, and you're just you're just one of the people in the com box, um, right. and that's pretty much it. I would even say not even liberal, and I wouldn't even put it on a left right uh, spectrum. I would just say Twitter is an establishment blog, right? Um, and and that's the contrast. And when I made my video on the banning of Alex Jones, I actually combed through it to get rid of all reference to left and right, because yeah. this is much more about establishment versus independent. Um, than it is about left versus right. As it happens, the establishment, when it comes to domestic policy, tends to be very, very uh, cultural Marxist because that's the best way to get people in line right. um, and to, to, to weaken a society and, and make it uh, docile to, to drastic changes. But, um, but it also means it's the war party. Um, these are the people who, who decide at random when there's going to be a quote-unquote catastrophe that you know, requires the entire West to get involved and destroy a, a, a nation. Right. Um, and that's usually, that's not always a left-wing thing. That's, that's just as often right-wing as left. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's why I would characterize, the, in, in addition, that's a big part of why I would characterize the mainstream media as far more dangerous. Um, uh, unless we're going to pretend that InfoWars uh, could or would uh, try to start wars. Um I mean, not, and, they, I mean, and they don't. Obviously, the wars is, are a great point, but like Infowars is not attempting to influence policy either. Like even taking wars out of it, which obviously wars are the the biggest piece of the pie. I think in, in both of our political ideologies, but um, I mean they're not trying to influence policy, and they couldn't even if they wanted to. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not like a threat to anything. They're a goofy conspiracy theory show. You know what I mean? They're not. They're not influence any, anything i mean they're, they're not shifting like the public discourse on any major issue in any major way oh i disagree they have a tremendous following yeah they definitely affect they political a, discourse maybe maybe yeah they do especially paul joseph watson he's got a, a great following he actually is a very erudite and informative commentator especially on um on migration but also interestingly a lot of cultural commentary on things right. like art yeah. And uh, entertainment. He's he's getting into that kind of stuff. I think he's a worthwhile commentator. No, I and think I totally Paul disagree Joseph with Watson him. is. A lot of stuff. Yeah, I, I think yeah. he I think he is as well. And I think he even <laughs> there were some funny clips going around too from the Infowars show when uh, when uh, uh, Paul Joseph Watson was on. It <laughs> clearly uncomfortable with some of the conspiracy stuff coming from Alex Jones. Like he kind of get very quiet. After a while, and just well, kind, of, kind of let Alex Jones do his thing, and then he'd jump and, and, in with the actual punditry. Well, and it, interestingly, I mean, it's interesting you do make that point about not affecting public policy, because there are discussions that go on uh, among InfoWars commentators that are not directly policy-related. And that is an important point. Speaking of which, I've had this conversation with Gavin, uh, who just got uh, you just mentioned was banned from Twitter, um, where he says, yeah, hey, look, there's a lot of conversations that we just don't have anymore because somebody makes a point. And everyone reacts as if that person is an all-powerful dictator about to pass a law right. to back up their point, rather than just saying, oh, that's an interesting perspective, and right. discussing it. For, in other words, like uh, the example Gavin gave is um, Kevin Williamson, uh, formerly of the National Review, 
um, who uh, was booted from the Atlantic because he said something about women who have abortions should be hanged. Right. And people reacted, in other words, in a way that I think is disingenuous, where they said what he just said is going to be it's going to be national policy unless we shut him <laughs> right. up. Right. I mean, well, no, he's just a columnist. Right. Yeah. I mean, that hanging uh, women who have had abortions would definitely get 60 votes in the Senate. <laughs> any, right. any day of the week. I mean, I'm sure Chuck Schumer would get behind it even. Yeah, that would definitely become public policy. Yeah, and, right. And, and and so that's a big part of this is that a lot. You know, whatever you think of Alex Jones, you, 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 that is true. That element of what you were saying, I think, is accurate. Where you're saying, look, the guy is not actually as powerful as the mainstream media. He isn't a direct uh, partner. As I said earlier, there are people in the mainstream media who are direct partners of nation states. And really powerful money to interest in people in the freaking State Department. Right. There are cell phone calls going on between the State Department and CNN. Right. And that is dangerous. I mean, how many State Department, ex-State State Department officials work at, at one of those networks? I mean, they're, you know, they're on TV all right, the time. Right. John Brennan, for instance. I mean, he's, he's on CNN constantly. I mean, The he, guy's a freaking monster. He is a monster. He's a moral monster. He and he actually has influence. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you mentioned something on your show as well. And I actually caught myself, I was ashamed, I caught myself doing this on my own show, as you said something along the lines, I don't want to misquote you, but something along the lines of, you know, no disclaimers. You do not need to issue a disclaimer and say, well, you know, I don't like Alex Jones, but I'm going to stand up for, you know, freedom of speech. And right. it almost gets back to, to David French's uh, tweet that we were talking about earlier, how he's like, you know, I know there are, ba- you know, there are a lot of races, but not me. Yet, screw the disclaimers. And you don't have to like Alex Jones or Infowars or believe any of the conspiracy stuff. Whatever, it, it's not important. No, no apologies, no disclaimers. St- everybody should be standing up for the man, standing up for free speech, and standing up to the the mob, the bully mob from the left. I mean, that's what it, they are bullies. They're coming after all of us. We need to stand up for anyone they come after. No apologies, no disclaimers. And I was I was ashamed. I was like, man, I I, I caught myself saying that. You know, the whole like, oh, you know, I don't, ah. I'm not a fan of InfoWars, but I'm like, wait, stop it. Stop it, Brady Leonard. You're smarter than that. Don't apologize to the mob. They're a bunch of bullies. Never apologize to a bully. Well, it is difficult. I mean, so let's take the example. I mean, honestly, the, here's an example of um, uh, of white supremacists. Once in my entire life, once I encountered a, a genuine real life neo-Nazi and um, I got him fired. That was my re- response. You know, so I'm one thing is I'm pretty far right. If I'm going to get the guy fired, right. <laughs> how likely do you think it is he's going to gain any kind of position of influence in, in our culture? Yeah. Most people are are uh, in influential institutions in our country. Those are dominated by the left. Right. Who would love nothing more than to get a Nazi fired, presumably. So the guy's never going to make it. Right. Right. Um, and. and that's part of why I just sort of scoff at a lot of this Nazi hysteria because I say, well, look, I've met. When was, first of all, when was the last time you met one? Probably never. I'll, I'll tell you something. Uh, it's I've, pretty freaking rare. I mean, I travel the country half the year with a rock and roll band. I've met tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, I meet tons of people in a different city every night of the week, and I've been everywhere, man. I've been to 46 states. I've you know worked and played shows in, in 44 of them. I mean, I've been everywhere, every big city, every small town. I've never met a neo-Nazi. I've never, not once in really? my life. Yeah, never. Yeah, never. I, and 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 if I did, uh, sorry, if I did meet a 
lot of neo-Nazis, right? And if they started to crop up and become a major part of whatever social circles, circles I was moving in, um, yeah, then I would think, you know, this is important for me to, to say something about this, to get away from it. And honestly, the reason why I got that guy fired is because I wanted to I wanted to keep the environment I was in clean. I wanted to get right. people away from influence in whatever you know environment I was in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny. I do draw a line. Obviously, I think any of us would. Um, I would defend Alex Jones because the worst he's done is he said that Barack Obama was literally a demon from hell, which I don't think <laughs> is actually a dangerous thing to say because I don't think it's going to do too much. No. Um, he said Michelle Obama and, is a man, which is pretty weird. He said it's a weird thing yeah, to say, think, but it's not going to yeah, become public policy, uh, you know. Right, and 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 so, but yeah, if somebody is obviously getting into uh, white nationalism, and I've met people who are flirting with the all right, right. I, I have met. A How couple do I respond of to them? Yeah, and and you respond to them by by you do have to clearly denounce, right? You know, and that's. That's important because you're like, whoa, what are you what are you doing? And occasionally I have people tweet at me and I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. Um, that is really creepy. And then you want to do something about that. But um, with Alex Jones, I think it's entirely different. Alex Jones is like I said, if, if they if anything, the people at InfoWars are at least anti leftist. Right. Um, that describes them accurately. I think they're anti establishment, anti leftist. They're definitely, um, you know, as against the GOP as they are against the Democratic Party. Um, but they're. They're anti-leftist, they're anti-cultural Marxist, they're anti-progressive, and they have a certain uh, sympathy for traditions and, and ancient cultures. And I think that's that's good, more or less. So, yeah. Yeah, no, the way I put it on my show is I said, um, I stand with Alex Jones to the exact same extent that evil people associate good people with him, which is to say 100%. Right. Absolutely. And that's why uh, you and I both tell our audiences to subscribe. Um, to our shows, so they get notifications once we are inevitably kicked off of social media. So make sure, make sure you all subscribe to my show, subscribe to the Stephen Harriet Show, um, so you're not left in the dark when we're booted off of Twitter. Uh, speaking of Twitter, where can everybody find you online, Stephen? They can find me at at Stephen Harriet, S T E P H E N H E R R E I D. And I will spell it right this time. I know you've been on the show like five times, and I've spelled your name wrong every single time. No, so, it's fine. It's sorry fine. about that. Everybody follow Stephen. He's great. Check out the Stephen Harriet Show. Um, I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Uh-huh.